Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Outdoor Ed Podcast. I am Matt Mascarinus, your host. Today, I am joined by Brian Postumus with uh, Carl Parks and Wildlife, and, and Brian is the Northeast Region uh, Education Hunting, hunting, fishing, hunting, and angling hunting. outreach coordinator. See, I was going to screw that. I know I screwed up. I even asked right. you before that. Um, so uh, he uh, he's in charge of putting a lot of education together and and a, and a great resource to um, to come and learn stuff. You know. So uh, real quick, without me screwing it up even anymore, uh, Brian, kind of give us the elevator speech on uh, what you do here and um, you know what uh, what you love, what your passion is. You bet. So, so Matt, I, I work for the Northeast Region, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and uh, like we mentioned, hunting and angling outreach coordinator. So it's, uh, it's my job to try and reach out to people that are interested in hunting or angling, try and get them some knowledge, some skills, try and share the excitement of getting out to go hunt, go fish, and uh, get, get them uh, out, basically get them out there in the field. The the reasons behind a lot of that is we we definitely need hunters and anglers to buy licenses. That's the main source of managing wildlife in the state of Colorado. And uh, if we can continue having you know more and more hunters and anglers, that's going to provide opportunities. It's going to provide the management opportunities for people to go and hunt and fish more, right. know, including you know the lands providing lands to go out and hunt and fish. That, that's always a challenge for many people. Right, right, for sure, and. And we're here at the uh, Northeast Region Building, right? Yes. Um, sixty sixty Broadway, or yes. if you're a park ranger or DWM, sixty sixty. We just drop everything else, right? <laughs> um, and uh, we're we're sitting here in one of the conference rooms, and uh, just walking around the conference room in in this in the small building. I, what, what would this building be called? So this is the Northeast Regional Office. So I nailed it. Then I got that yeah. right. And the other big building is is that that's, that's going to be. It's got a lot of our statewide offices there. Um, licensing services. We've got um, we've got a whole statewide element of education outreach. We've got some fisheries folks that are in there. It's uh, it, it's more statewide folks, and then we also have a another office downtown, thirteen thirteen Sherman. Um, there's a lot of uh, employees that are that are based out of there as well. Right, and so this is the place. This this building we're here in now is the place where a lot of questions come to get asked. Right. I mean, there's the the folks up front there um, are very knowledgeable. Is this this is kind of where all the calls come to when people have questions and stuff. This is where the majority of the calls. Yeah, come. yeah. This is uh, we we got a really busy office here. I think just about any any office throughout the regions. Uh, you know, we got offices in Fort Collins mm-hmm. and and you know throughout the state, and uh, in each region they all have their own um, kind of you know. Sort of, sort of unique questions that they right, get, right? And uh, yeah, they answer questions. We uh, we get people coming in to buy licenses. It, maybe they lost their hunter ed card. They want to come in and replace their hunter ed card. They come out right, into right. the office and do that. Um, they can buy park passes here. We've got um, you know OHVs, snowmobile permits, boat permits, many of that those kind of things come out of this office as well. So it's kind of a, a one stop shopping for for many things that deal with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And right behind this building is the the, the education building, right? Yeah, we have a hunter education. Hunter education. Building. Yeah, it's used uh, um, all year round for for uh, hunter education classes. We've got wildlife commission that will meet there from time to time. I do a lot of my seminars out of there. Um, generally, Thursday nights is right, seminar yep. night. 
and we do a lot of a lot of that kind of information there. And we we've got a, a little rifle range in the back as right. well. So you do hunter ed, you got to do a, a written test, but you also got to do a live fire test as well. So a lot of people take the class they and they do I just it all move, back there. Yeah, just move right over the range. Well, you mentioned classes over there, and one of the classes this this time of year, what you got going, you already had one, and I think you got another one coming up too, or you, you added another yeah. one. Yeah, I've I've done four Turkey One Hundred One yep, classes, Turkey and uh, we had some weather come up a while. Back I know and, I got uh, stuck in that. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. You got caught in traffic. Yep. Um, yeah, the weather wasn't so bad, but the traffic. Oh, it, it just all it part. just yeah, it, it, I was cra- I was I was shocked at how crazy yeah. that was, but yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually going to do a makeup class for those that that couldn't make it. So I did send out an email this morning to the groups mm-hmm. and said, you know, March 22, come on down, we're going to do another turkey hunting 101 class. And and that's what we're here today to talk about, folks, is uh turkey 101. And um turkey hunting for me is very new. I've only been out twice. And I was talking to you with this. I have more experience with turkeys in my front yard than I do in the field. I've only been out twice, only seen two birds. And uh, it, it's really, really uh, challenging, you know. And, and one of the biggest things I, when I say challenging, it's, it's for a new hunter. And I didn't have this, this knowledge going into it um, of where to go. Mm-hmm. what to do, what to prepare for. You know, I, I read some stuff. Uh, I attended a couple seminars at, at, at stores, you know, that were there. And um, it, there really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, 101 stuff, just basic stuff that to, that to learn. So I was talking to you. We, we've talked in the past about uh, doing fishing stuff. You were on a podcast earlier this year with uh, Tony Dimack, and we were talking uh, Pheasants Forever and ice fishing. And... Um, we were through talking. You talked about this Turkey One Hundred One class, and I was like, "Oh man, not only not only would it be great for folks out there that are in my situation, but be great for me, so I can come and get some knowledge, uh, a, a basis on building a turkey or building some turkey knowledge, a foundation anyway." So um, that's what we're going to talk today uh, is Turkey One Hundred One. So uh, let's just start at the top. I mean, why hunt turkeys? What's the reason behind hunting turkey? Why can't we just go to the grocery store and buy a turkey? Yeah. Well, with, with a lot of hunting, a lot of a lot of people just enjoy being outdoors. It, it doesn't matter whether you harvest or not. And, you know, in fact, I, I tell a lot of new hunters in particular, a lot of hunters, if your, your version of success means you have to harvest, you're going to be a frustrated hunter. Right. There's many days you go out and you don't, you don't harvest. Right. And, and that's okay because every time you go out, you're learning. Right. Um, if you, you know, you go out turkey hunting, it might be out before the sun comes up. And just listening to the, to the noises in the forest, you know, as all the birds start waking up and start announcing, hey, I'm here, this is my territory. And you can start thinking about, hey, how do I identify these birds or that bo- bird? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you see all sorts of things when you're just sitting still in the forest, in the woods, or you're out on the, the um, plains along a, a river corridor. And th- there's just so many fascinating, fascinating things going on. So that that just the experience of being outdoors, and you, you just use turkey hunting as an excuse to be out there. Just to get I mean, outside. That, that's good enough reason right there. But it it is a lot of fun. It's a lot like elk hunting for mm-hmm. folks that are um, you know they're they're just awesome elk hunters, but they haven't turkey hunted yet. They're going to find a lot of similarities in turkey hunting as elk hunting. So it's it, it there's a lot of stuff where you're playing the turkey rut. You get the to call. Rut. You get to uh, get to, 
to to there, there's some exciting, fascinating things. These turkeys are just a goofy bird. Yeah. And uh, you, you see them coming in, and and uh, just just a big old tom that's coming in to display his dominance to to your decoys. Just as it comes running in and strutting in, it, it's just crazy. And what they do to you know other birds that they may start beating up your decoys right yeah. in front of you. It's just it's just really neat. This quirky bird is is just right out in front of you. You know, maybe fifteen twenty yards away. And you get to experience all that. Yeah, I mean that—that's great. It's and they're um, they're like like you said they they come beat up your decoys or your black lab for example. You know, like I said in my yard, <laughs> I got we got these. Um, what do you call them? Flocks or flocks? Are they? Yeah, you know, yeah. Are they like there's flocks? probably some official names. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's some. Flock. Yeah, flock. I mean, it's a bird flock, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, they come in and they're. And my, I got I got a sixty pound black lab or sixty five. Well, he's actually overweight now. He's seventy pounds. I took him to the vet, and they said he's overweight. I, whatever. But uh, they come char. He's he you know he he's comes at him and everything in the in the front door. He goes out on the porch, and I'm like I even tell him I'm like don't mess with that bird. And that, like you said, the big old tom comes strutting up at him. I put the dog inside. He turn turn tail and runs. And uh, and they'll come into my garage, and I'll be sitting in the garage, and they'll come up on the driveway. And they'll come in, and he'll come out full, full. He's got his, he's got his feathers out. He's got, he's got the fan out or whatever. He's, he's just all ticked off at me. And I'm like, okay, well, that's your garage, sir. I'll, I'll get out of your garage. So, <laughs> so that aggressiveness, I've, I've noticed, and that was really intrigued me with, with how, how, uh, how aggressive, especially when they're running, how aggressive they are, how aggressive they are, and the similarities between elk hunting and turkey hunting. And this is a good a foundation, uh, a first level to start out for those beginning elk hunters. You know, I mean, it would. It, it kind of has a lot of similarities from what I'm seeing and uh, just the experience that I had to elk hunting. So can I talk about that a little bit? It, it could be a foundation on, on to grow another uh, type of hunting. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The uh, You know, with elk hunting, um, a lot of times you're having to travel miles and miles to, mm-hmm. to get into good elk territory. Um, if you're fortunate enough to, to harvest an elk, you still got to, you got to gut it and you got to haul it out. That might mean multiple trips or multiple right. people. And um, yeah, you, you harvest a turkey and one person can haul it out by themselves. <laughs> now that so that's great, and that that's uh, I think it makes it a little bit easier for folks that are getting into turkey hunting. If you've ever you know taken care of a, a Thanksgiving turkey, the field right. dressing element really isn't that intimidating. Right. I was it's, telling my wife that I'm like, you can help me out with this oh, thing yeah, if I get one this year. You can yeah, help me out with it. Oh, yeah, you do the turkey. Easy. Yeah. I mean, if you ever had a roasted chicken at home i mean right. a, a bird is is a bird for the most part so so it's pretty easy to field dress it um you can haul it out in one trip and um many times you don't depending on where you're going you don't have to necessarily travel miles and miles there, there's some hunting opportunities for turkeys up in the foothills and lower montane that you know you're probably going to want to go miles and and do some calling and try and locate those turkeys as they're they're distributed in in a much wider area right but um, for the most part, you know, you can go hunting with a, with youth, turkey hunting, and you know, you, if you get the right gear, right equipment, you, you can have them um, out there hunting turkeys and having a good old time. And you know, a new hunter that you know just doesn't isn't quite ready to go hike miles or right. isn't quite ready to pull the trigger on a large mammal, um, a turkey sometimes is a little bit easier to to you know pull that trigger, release the arrow. That I think it's a good way. There, the other element of, of it too is there's some, uh, maybe some elk hunters that you know as they're getting older or their bodies are right, you know, right. just not able to keep up with um, you know hiking the mountains. 
and but they still want to get out. I, I think turkey hunting is a great opportunity for folks to, to get into. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit easier on the body mm-hmm. um, out there in the field. Yeah, that's and it's it's uh, that's what I what I caught with it. It's just there's a lot of things that you can build from turkey hunting, and also be. Uh, I I I talk to some guys that are just that's that's their thing, you know. When turkey season comes around, that's their thing. They get they just get all crazy for turkeys, and um, it's almost like some folks do get with with elk hunting, and uh, it's it's exciting. And and I'm excited this year to give it another shot. So. One of the first things I do, whether it's fishing or hunting, is when that new brochure comes out. Yeah. You know, I always grab that because there's always things that are new in it. And um, that's one of the, uh, and it's one of the ways that I, I like to say to, to learn more about rules and regulations, but also things that you can do as far as application process and whatnot. So kind of go over how important it is to get that turkey hunting brochure and to spend time looking at it, whether it's sitting on your couch or, you know, um, sitting somewhere else, whatever it may be, uh, go through it and, and really look at look at it and do some studying on it. Yeah, the, the brochures are free. They, they're they, free. That's, yeah, that's they're one free. of the most important. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you mentioned Tony Dimeck. Um, he and I do a lot of outreach together. And he and I, when we're doing programs, that's one of the, the key points we tell people is to get that brochure when it comes out. You can pick them up at CPW offices, you know, the state parks, any place that sells, you know, hunting and fishing Walmart. gear. You ought, yeah, <laughs> you ought to be able to find any of those brochures, and they're free. And we always recommend you pick three of them up, and you right. put one in your hunting truck, mm-hmm, your hunting mm-hmm. vehicle, um, or hunting camp in case you got questions. You're sitting around hunting camp. Hey, I got some some questions on this. What do you guys know? Let's let's first look at the brochure. Um, we always recommend either putting one in a pack, you know, your field right. pack. And, and sometimes you don't want to carry all that extra paper. So what I, I tell people is take a photo with your smartphone of the key pages, the information that you need out in the field. So if a question comes up, you don't have to hike two miles back to your vehicle to answer them. You can just <laughs> look sure. on your smartphone. Yep. Um, you can download a PDF of these brochures, too. So if your phone has uh, space to do that, do that. But the other one we, we say, put in your potty. You know, throw it in right, your restroom. Right. I was trying to find a way to yeah. get around that, but I, I was yeah. I was going to be more idea. vulgar way. You, well, you said potty, so I yeah. like that. One so, better. so if you have it there as reading material, and, right. and you know, we can snicker, but but if you don't read it, that that's that's the important part of that is if you don't read the brochure, and I'm talking the rules, the regulations. Um, that's the stuff that you really need to read and understand. Right. And if you don't understand it, we do have phone numbers of customer service numbers and and you can call up and say i don't quite understand this we've got people that hear those questions all the time that got great ways to answer it so they're well-trained people they're knowledgeable they're happy to help so um you know by all means you got to read it the the next part of those brochures though is really important right it's the very first page of the brochure and it's called what's next or what's what's new what's new yeah, yeah and that what's new page is going to tell you what changes have been have been made since last year, and I, I like to tell people to think about wildlife management as a dynamic process. So, if populations are are going up, hey, let's think about having more tags available. You know, mm-hmm, carcass mm-hmm. tags available, licenses available. If populations are going down. You know, let let's kind of cut back on some of those tags and so get those populations to come back. And and populations go up and down. The weather has a big impact on right. some of it. There's a lot of lot of reasons why populations go up and down so so we try and manage wildlife dynamically and and if you don't 
understand that and you don't look at that what's new page, you may just think, oh, we, we go hunting here. And, and unfortunately, you may go and you may violate a regulation. Right. You may get a, uh, get a fine or, or you know, hopefully maybe it's just a warning and a, and a nice lecture out in the field. But we, we make so many of these brochures that we print so many of them because we want people to have that information. And they're they're full of information. The the I always grab the um, the public lands one. Yeah, that one is. I tell so many people they need to have that that besides these ones they need to have. They need to have that one in there too. That the brochures guys they're free and they're they're just. Um, that's where all the questions I see. Most of the questions I see out there, whether it's via social media or just when people I talk to folks out there, is don't you read the brochures? That's all I said. Did you read the brochure? <laughs> well, I didn't find it in there. Well, you got, I mean, like I spend a lot of time reading those things. I'm, I'm a rule regulation junkie. I officiate high school football. And it's just one of the things that I get passionate about is reading the rule books on either way. I, I, I like to know what I can do and what I can't do. So um, another important part about those brochures is it goes into uh, getting the draw or the, the your, your tag, getting your to your tag uh whether it's through the draw or other options. so, And, and that's another way, another thing people have questions about. Um, when does that, because there's two seasons, right? Yes. There's uh, spring and fall. And um, the spring brochures, uh, those kind of come out, they come out pretty quick. And uh, getting those draw dates in or, or, or we're, we're looking at those draw dates and uh, kind of go over that. It's kind of the same thing with big game hunting. If you've, if you've applied for big game draw, kind of the same thing. So uh, let's cover that real quick because obviously we need tags to go yep. out there and harvest these birds. Yeah. So yeah, you, you bring up a good point. We've got two seasons. We got the the spring season, which is where most turkey right. hunters get out there. That that's the turkey rut mm-hmm. season. That that's the really exciting period. But we also have a fall season there, and tied in with that, there's sort of a late winter season as well, where there's some tags available. But um, the back of the the turkey hunting brochure has key dates there there's it just goes through a, a list of all the dates so early january um this past year the 2018 um the the brochure was available i think late december early january early january in the stores but january 10 you can actually start applying for the spring licenses but they were due february 8 so that's that's mm-hmm. a key point for these spring turkey hunters to know is that we have limited licenses available for turkey hunting in some units of the state so these units you have to apply and you have to get that application in by February 8. Even if you don't know where you're going hunting, you can put in for a preference point. So you start building preference points. It gives you an advantage in the draw in future years. Right. So you can start doing that. So um, that, that information is so important to know those dates. You put it in your calendar, put it on your smartphone calendar to give you a little bit of a, um, a warning before the due date so that you don't miss it each year. And make sure you, you know, send an email or text your, your hunting buddies or family hey, to say, it. hey, yeah. at least put in for the draw this year. Put in for a preference point. Um, it can't hurt to put in for the draw. And so that, that that's what I, I recommend to people is make sure you, you do that early in the spring. No matter if you plan on going out, at least get a preference point. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. To get those areas where, I mean, I again, I'm, I'm new at this, so I don't know if there are, like, trophy areas if you want to call it or or bigger you know where yeah. you can go get some big birds if, if if you're you know looking for something like that but um getting that preference point will obviously get you a better shot at drawing for that yeah. type of unit yeah 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 so the yeah the more preference points you have and and with the way the draw works um it, it, 
it's the hunters that dictate how many preference points it's going to take. Right. And also, yeah. whoever has the highest preference points, they get the the licenses. And as we start to hit our quota for whatever unit, whatever hunt code they're they're hunting on, when we hit our quota of licenses, um, you know, becomes kind of a random draw at a certain preference point level. We've got hunt statistics on our website that will tell you what did a certain hunt code right. draw out last year. So you can kind of use that, do a little bit of homework, and kind of prepare. The, the unit that I love to hunt in, um, it took me three years to put in for, for that hunt code. So um, just so, so people that want to hunt turkeys in Colorado know, there's the two seasons. you got spring and fall. That means you can get two preference points a year. Right. Uh, big game, it's only one preference point mm-hmm. per species per, species, yeah. per year. Uh, but in Turkey, you can get two, and, and people forget about that fall deadline. So if, if people are listening to this 2018, I'm just going to let you know the deadline is July 12 for that fall, um, get fall it in. application. If At you least get to get a point, points. too, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and uh, you know, we may touch on this a little bit later, too, but for those folks that have youth getting into turkey mm-hmm. hunting, there are youth hunt codes available. And my son, um, he can put in for a preference point in the fall, or I put him in for a preference point in the yeah, fall, yeah. and he's able to draw a spring tag with that one preference point. And many of those tags right now are going to uh, some hunters with zero preference points, but it's maybe you know, 10, 20, 30% are able to draw with zero preference point. My son going in with one preference point is, is going to draw based on previous years. Right. So he gets to go hunting every year. I get to go take him out hunting. I get to get an experience. I get, I'm gaining experience and I get to watch my son go hunt and I can be proud of him. And he, you know, right. spends some yep. quality family time out there. It doesn't matter if I have a firearm or not. I, I'm enjoying every minute out there. Right. And that's, that's what it's all about. It's what it's all, you're gonna hear that a lot. It's what it's all about. <laughs> so, um, and, and does it, uh, it has, you can get a, uh, over-the-counter tag. Yep. So, and does that kind of go along the same lines of, of the big game? If you put in, say for, let's just say an elk tag, for example, I put in for an area where I'm trying to build a preference point or something, or preference points for, and I know I'm going to get a preference point, and they send you an OTC tag. Is that the yeah. same concept, or do you still yeah. have the pretty, again, I got, I'm real, I always purchase OTC tags, because I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm still trying to learn, you know? Yeah. So is that the same process? Yeah, yeah, very similar process to big game. Um, you can put in there if you do not draw some in over the counter okay. spring tag. Same that's, thing. That, yeah, that's fine. Um, so that, that yeah, I recommend you you can do that. There's plenty of places in Colorado to go hunt over the counter turkey. The um, just for folks that that are getting into this, they want to know there is a, a a couple of maps in our brochure. There's a spring hunting map and a fall hunting map, and it breaks the entire state down into the same game management units as big game. So, so the state's broken up into all these um, polygons, these, these right. you know units, right. and we manage based on those units. So, some units, particularly the ones that are going to be along some of the the major river corridors, um, those are just full of turkeys running around. But these turkeys are are following a linear corridor. They're they're roosting in the trees at night. And then they're probably feeding maybe in some of the farmers' fields nearby or, or along that, that river corridor. But they're in a linear corridor. It's a lot easier to get into turkeys in those areas. Right. But it also means that, you know, hunters are going to get crowded in those mm-hmm. areas as well. So we have a lot of limited licenses in those areas. We have over-the-counter licenses available. Um, it's for most of the state, but 
in general, it's going to be a lot of your foothill habitat, your um, lower mountain habitat where the turkeys are going to be running. And, and we can talk about those subspecies that, that run in different areas in a bit. Mm -hmm. But um, those turkeys are not limited to necessarily a, a, a linear corridor, right? They, they go uphill, downhill. They'll follow the snow melt. They'll go from one side of a ridge to another side of a ridge. They'll, you know, find some meadows to feed in or to strut. Sounds kind of like elk again. Yeah, they yeah, just like and they may move miles in a day. <laughs> right. Easy. They, yeah, they can move miles. They may they may roost in completely different areas at night than what they did the day before. So hunters actually can can go in there. You know, we've got the over the counter licenses, and hunters can be well distributed, not overcrowded, like they would be hunting a river corridor. The other thing is, you know, the the foothills and mountains has a lot more public lands, a lot more mm -hmm. Forest Service, BLM properties where you're going to find turkeys. Out east, um, a lot of those lands are private or they're going to be um, a state wildlife area or state trust land that you're going to be hunting on um, unless you want to knock on doors. Right, yeah. So we've got some state wildlife areas. And again, we've got limited licenses because we don't want hunters to get out there and complain about being crowded. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we can kind of break that up. Now, uh, an element of those over-the-counter licenses changes with turkey. And um, again, I encourage people to look at the map on spring turkey. You're going to notice different color um, game management units. So there are some over-the-counter licenses that, that you can get. And you go, can go hunt some of these units, 91 and 92, way out along way the Platte there, River. Yeah. There's a couple other units um, you know, out east, kind of north of I-70. Those those units you can get an over the counter, but it's only good on private land. You're, it's not good on so the public land. So you have to have land. prior. You would you would have to have prior permission yeah, yeah, in a yeah, sense. Not instead yeah. of you know it would be good to have prior permission. Yeah, right? yeah I mean you can go out there and knock on doors, but um, it, I mean that that's how you're going to get the, right. the the permission. I encourage people to go go do that do it anyway. earlier before the season. Starts exactly. To so get you that permission when you I had that happen with with deer this year. I had permission, and that's why I put in for that tag. Yeah. And everything fell fell apart. Oh, so, shoot. but uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's good to, and I think we're, we're going to talk permissions a little bit later on. But um, but yeah, it um, the well, you, again, you said the, the the brochure, the the maps of those units which are color coded are in the brochure. So that's why it's so important to have that brochure yeah. on you yeah. and with you. And, so and you just, can... just read. There's a lot of information there, so you got to read it in detail. Yeah. But I, I think most people, if they kind of read through it, a lot of, a lot of their questions, a lot of that kind of intimidating factor of where do I hunt, yeah. um, that, that's a good start is just figuring out, okay, do I need a limited license? You know, do I need to apply for this? Or is this in an area that I can get an over-the-counter tag? And um, one thing, kind of talking about over-the-counter tags, if you purchase an over-the-counter tag, you don't have to tell us what unit you're hunting in. Right. You don't have to tell us when you're going out. It, it's good for any of those units that are, are good for over-the-counter. So that, that's something a lot of people are like, well, I don't know where I'm going yet, so I'm not going to buy the over-the-counter tags. I, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get, well, it doesn't matter. Just get that over-the-counter tag. Yeah, get it, and you can pick one. Yeah, out, yeah. yeah, and you still got time to go out and, and figure out where you're going to go hunt. You can go scout some areas right, right. and, and um, figure that out. Right, and, and uh, I mean, you can even use, too, if you're still, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where I'm going yet. You can even use a, a day of hunting as a day of scouting for, in some cases if you're not 100% sure. But um, a lot of opportunities. Yes. A lot of options. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to get out there again. Um, so... 
when uh, when you're out there, there's there's is there I want to say there's off uh, top of my I think there's four or five total species in this in the country. Yeah. Is it four or five? Um, I believe it, it, there's five subspecies. Five subspecies. And, um, yeah, I and don't the, know if I'd be able to name all of them. I can't. Off, I but. I can maybe name three or four, maybe I don't know. But the ones we have to worry about here are um, the Merrimans, and did I say that correctly? The Merrimans, Merrimans, Merriams. Yep, the Merriams and the Rio Grande. I I, I love pronouncing words. <laughs> um, so those are the two subspecies that we are going to most most likely encounter here, or are going to encounter here. Um, kind of uh, go over those subspecies if you have any. There's any differences to them, how they how they react. If there's maybe one species is a mountain bird, more maybe more one species is more of a plains bird, or or, or vice versa, or something like that. And uh, you know, what are we looking for when we're dealing with these? Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're exactly right. We got two subspecies in Colorado. The the Miriams is the mountain, and and if you're like I don't remember who is what, I always think M for Miriam, M, M for mountain. That's a good so, one because I was I was going down to market now. Okay, mountain M. There you go. Boom. I, I think simply. I need I need some, right exactly some help sometimes right. to to remember that. So the Murmums. Yeah. The, yeah. The or I can just say Murmums. Yeah. You, Sorry, yeah. You can call them Murmums are in the want. mountains. Yeah, so so these are birds that are going to be along the foothills and in the lower um, mountain habitats. And if you think about some of the foothills, in in some of the foothills you got some great big ponderosa pine trees. Those are awesome roost sites for birds. But you also have, um, especially as, as you get into southern Colorado, you get uh, like a gamble oak understory. Mm-hmm. So gamble oak has acorns. What a great food source yeah. for so many animals. So you get that that shrub understory. It creates a great place for the hens that are raising poults to escape into that that gamble oak. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to hunt deer or elk through some of the gamble oak mm-hmm. areas. That stuff will cut you up. Something fierce. It, it is. It is nasty. Yeah. You you wish you were a small animal on all fours so you can go underneath. Or it. you wish you went another way instead yeah. of went through that way. Yeah. Yeah. So um so they love those kind of habitats. The the ponderosa pine or some of the other other um, large conifer trees that they have um, large limbs, um, relatively um, open canopies. You know, it, it, it's a big bird, big wingspan, and they got to fly up into the roost trees at night and we can talk about why they do that later but um just so you know the miriams that that's kind of where they're going to be at is up in the foothills they they travel quite a ways um there are some small little populations here there i've heard about where they go the exact same roost site every single night and um but but by and large i think they they will move from you know one ridge line to another ridge line and they're they're probably a little more challenging to hunt the uh, one of the things you're probably gonna notice them. They're probably a little smaller than the Rio Grande subspecies, but they um, that for for a, a species their coloration is a little bit different. So they've got okay. a lot more white. So on the tail feathers, mm-hmm. they're gonna have that that last band of the tail feathers is gonna be a much brighter white than the Rio Grande. Rio Grande is gonna be kind of a um, rusty brown, reddish brown color. And um, even some of the tail coverts, just kind of below the, the um, kind of that tail fan, there's a lot of feathers that kind of build up into that fan. And those are going to have a lot more white on them as well. The wings have black and white barring, and the, the wings are going to be a much whiter white bar than the Rio Grande. The Rio Grande, of course, you know, as we're talking about, it's going to be um, 
you know, the, the white bands are going to be much thinner on the wings. Mm-hmm. And then on the tail, you're going to have a lot more of that reddish brown color. And in the Rio Grande's, this is a subspecies that was introduced into Colorado. The Miriams is a native subspecies. Okay. But the Rio Grande is one that we've introduced. And um, we got to give credit to um, National Wild Turkey Federation, yep. nwtf.org, if people want to check that yep, out to yep. learn more. It's a great, great organization. Great conservation and, organization um, for sure. The, yeah, the, the people that have been part of that for so many years, you know, they, they have, they deserve a lot of the credit for having turkeys anymore right the populations that well, we they've have exploded the nation. basically yeah. yeah oh yeah they've done some great work we got more turkeys now than we did ever pretty much yeah. i mean yeah yeah and and yeah populations are healthy um yeah so so organizations like that they've tied into the state agencies they worked in partnership they they worked together so it, it, it's great that we've got these turkeys mm-hmm. and and these rio grands are running along the river corridors primarily um, some of them will decide to, to just get up and go explore and move to areas. I've, I've been driving out by Sterling, and um, I, I was j- just driving along the, uh, the highway there, Highway 6, coming out of Sterling East, mm-hmm. coming back from a pheasant hunt. And I look over by the railroad tracks, and there's a small flock of turkeys just walking the railroad tracks. <laughs> I'm thinking, where's, where's the river corridor? Where's, you know, where are they going to roost tonight? And, right. uh, yeah, it's just kind of a crazy spot to see them. So that is crazy. Yeah, they will. They will move around. Yeah, and uh, you know, wild wildlife has the name wildlife in it for a reason. You can't put right, them in a right. tiny little box. <laughs> right. Um, they kind of decide to go do their own stuff. But for the most part, the Rio Grande, they're going to run along the river corridors. The um, the big cottonwood groves mm-hmm. that are are in the we call them a riparian bottom or a river corridor. You have the the floodplain, and it's got lots of cottonwoods. It's got some good shrub. Um, cover that's in there because of the, the moist soils. Um, great food opportunities there. They got insects for the yep. colts to, to feed on as they grow. That's what the hurt the hood took hurt hood turkeys in my <laughs> in my neighborhood. That's what they love. The cottonwoods. We got big stretches. We got a green valley behind our house, and there's big cottonwoods all over the place, and they just love that area. Yeah, over there. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you know they some of these turkeys will go feed um, in the farmlands nearby. Um, some farmers, you know, this is for people that that are looking for private land access. If you mm-hmm. know some ranchers and can ask them, you have any problems with turkeys coming in or too many turkeys? They they may be able to give you permission to go hunt turkeys, right. spread right. them around, push them push them around so they don't um, don't harass some of the landowners every now and then. Right, but, um, right. Yeah, so there, there's plenty of turkeys that are running up and down that riparian corridor. It's just where are you going to go hunt them? You right. know, you get that. That's going to be one of the biggest challenges for people. Um, but yeah, they're going to they're going to probably roost um, in the cottonwoods, um, possibly right along the river. They may um, fly up into a cottonwood so that the like in a branch that's over the river, over the Platte River, or you know some of the other rivers we've got down south. They may just just hang out over there and it, you know they're they're doing that to avoid predators right so what right. better place than over a river and that's something as as hunters that we can figure out and pattern that and see if we can uh, you know that's what i'm excited yeah. about doing <laughs> i'm already thinking you're talking about i'm already thinking of trying to think because like it's again it's just it's a new experience for me so i'm just excited about 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 it as uh, other folks are that are maybe you know uh getting trying to go out there for the first time so um, with these, the, the Merrimans and the Rio Grande, now, I, I, I know the answer to this question, but there's some folks out there that may hear that and say there's two different subspecies. Now, does the one tag 
go for both of those subspecies, or do I have? Do you have to have different tags? Now, this is just like a question yeah. that somebody may have floating around in their head, may be afraid to ask. Yeah. So, is that is it yeah. one tag cover all? Yep, a tur- turkey okay. tag is a turkey tag in Colorado. Okay. So, yeah, you can you can hunt either one. Um, when you kind of get into that interface between the the river corridors and the foothills, um, there there might be a little bit of um, you know crossbreeding going on in some of right. the species and. Um, so yeah, it, it, it and, and there are places you can hunt Rio Grandes with your over-the-counter tag. Um, most of the most of the hunting is probably going to be for the Miriams up in the foothills oh, and, and mountains, um, lower mountains. So yeah, yeah, one tag, one tag for all. Yeah. I, I know there's somebody out there probably asking that, probably thinking that yeah. there's two different species. Can I can I shoot one this time? You know. Yeah. So well, um, and and Matt, that leads up to a, a, another good right part of that too. I think is um, in the spring hunters can only get a bearded tag, a bearded okay. license. And what, what we're talking about, uh, uh, and we can go into more detail. We'll go right, we'll go yeah, right into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go right so, into it. So when we're talking about um, about turkeys, we got some, you know, terminology we need right. to talk about. And so... And identification. Yeah, yeah, identification. So um, the male turkeys, you're going to be breaking them down by age. And so a tom turkey is going to be um, a little bit more of a mature male turkey. It's going to have a nice, you know, a longer beard. Uh, longer beard is going to start getting spurs. Right. And uh, the older it gets, the the lo- longer and sharper those spurs get. So if you got your lab going after oh, a, a he would have got tore up. Yeah, some of those three-year-old, <laughs> four-year-old turkeys up. got. Uh, they've they've got some nice sharp spurs yeah. in there. They'll oh, yeah. they'll uh, they'll scratch a dog up or um, yeah. So um, so the toms are the big mature ones, and what we call the young ones, especially the first year. Males, we call them jakes. Jakes, okay. And the the jakes are um, they're usually smaller. They got a real short beard, and um, sometimes it's even hard to see them in the field until you know they kind of uh, move just right, and that the the feathers all of a sudden that beard kind of pokes out. But it might only be a couple of inches, you know, two three inches of a beard. The the spurs on the jake, um, it's almost like a round button. So it's leg. not, they're not, they're just basically, yeah. they're nubs basically, yeah. right? Yeah, and um, it, in, we'll talk about this in a little bit here, but but these birds are, um, they're a bird that is um, kind of, what do you call that? They're, they have a pecking order, so to speak. Okay, right? so I like kind of alpha, omega, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of wolf packish kind yeah. of? and a lot of times it's based on age, based on health, um and stuff so in in this you know a big tom that's three four years old mm-hmm. you know he's he's big stuff out there he's the and big he, dog, yeah, yeah he's gonna be a dominant turkey out there and and he's you know kind of like the big bull elk he's gonna round up a harem of hens right breeding hens that he wants to kind of um show off he's gonna strut and show off hey i'm the big dominant tom you want to breed with me so that's what his goal is and he's gonna fight off you know subdominant toms two-year-old toms um, he's going to fight off the jakes. You know, he doesn't want jakes out there. So the jakes don't have that spur to protect themselves. So they're mm-hmm. the ones that get beat up quite a bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen some pretty funny um, groups of these, you know, pods of these jakes running around. Um, my son and I, the first year I took them out, we had seven jakes come by in this pod. 
And, um, you know, they, they had beards. He could shoot them, but he wasn't able to shoot a single one of them because it, it almost seemed like they had a bungee cord, a short bungee really? cord tied between them. So a whole, you know, seven of <laughs> them. Just, just, yeah, they just drift right through our, our decoys. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, he, you know, with a shotgun, you, you take a shot at right. one in a group like that, you're going to hit all. So he, he made a great choice of, of passing up that shot. Um, the next day, he had three Jakes that came in. And um, again, they were in this pod that came through our decoys, and uh, you know, all three were looking one direction off to the side. Two of them decided, oh, they turned their heads and they said, we'll move off the other way. And that one didn't realize that he was still looking the other way, and that's where my son was able to harvest. Yeah. And um, and those crazy birds, those those two jakes that you know they they ran off, but immediately they came back and they started trying to peck and and you know kind of spur uh-huh. i mean they, they didn't have spurs but they're trying they're, to beat up the their buddy that they're just running around with and i think um because of that pecking order they get beat up so much by the bigger toms that um you know when a bird goes down is injured um or just seems weak they're they're establishing their they're going to finish hierarchy. him off basically yeah. yeah yeah and so um any we can use that in tactics to our advantage um, the females, we got two names for them. One's a hen, and that's going to be kind of your your two year old, um, year and a half to two year old um, bird. And then Jenny is basically going to be like like your one year old mm-hmm. female. And um, we oftentimes talk about a boss hen in a flock of hens. And okay. so this is going to be probably an older, experienced hen. And where she goes, the flock goes. And when you have a a tom that's you know kind of hend up right he's, he's breeding with his flock of, of hens um, he's going to follow that boss hen around as well so again kind of like about, a lead cow yeah. if you were talking damn there's yeah. so many correlations with yeah it. yeah yeah exactly I mean if you're if you're an elk hunter you you get into turkey hunting you might you yeah. know consider yourself a turkey hunter now mm-hmm. so yeah so I mean again this is some of the excitement of, of getting out there and, getting excited and, right oh now. yeah when you start thinking <laughs> um, you know how do you how do you get that hen to come in right um, and, and even though you can only shoot the bearded bird and that's um, springtime right? yeah in the springtime yeah and that so, bearded so bird you yeah, be have does it have to be any a certain length no it, it just has to it have, have, has to have a beard it has to have a beard and um, there, in some populations, I, I've heard up to ten percent of the hens may have a beard. Really? So, so a hunter, if they see a hen that has a beard, legally you can you can harvest that hen. Okay. And um, and hens you know, get spurs too. They don't. Uh, do no, they, no, no, hens aren't going to so, get the spurs. Well, I mean, it, it, I guess it could be another way to identify them. But how often can you see? It, it's that? yeah, it's pretty rare when they're yeah. walking through the grass. Um, you know, a lot of times those those turkeys, um, when they're coming in, you're going to be focused on that beard. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also going to be looking at the um, coloration of the head mm-hmm. as well. So the the toms are going to have a lot more red on their head, and, um, and and the other colors you're going to be looking for too is blue and white, red, white, and blue, kind of like the u.s flag right okay um those are those are colors to be thinking about with that tom helping to identify um a tom from more of a um kind of a grayish um light brown colored head of the hen and what's really neat about those toms is that they can they can change they can constrict their blood vessels in their head right so that they really don't have feathers up there on their head um, so it's, it's just skin, but they can contract all these blood vessels that are just underneath the, the surface of the skin, and they can change the color of their head depending on what their mood is. Really? So, yeah, so you'll see a turkey that's getting really excited. Um, 
I, I haven't seen it myself, but some pr- people that um, I've been learning um, turkey hunting from, they, they were telling me if you see a turkey's head turn bright white, um, you know, especially a mm-hmm. tom, mm-hmm. you know, that's in there, um, you should either um, try and harvest that turkey right then because it's probably leaving. And it, it's leaving probably because it's either scared, maybe there's a predator coming in, or maybe there's a bigger tom coming in. So you, you've got that wow, moment so, hesitation yeah. of do I, um, do I fire? Do I try and harvest this one whose head is turning white? Or should I see once, is there a bigger tom coming in? Or can I get that tom coming in range? So, I mean, again, it's, it's just a tactic to think about. It may pay off, may not. See, I, I, I didn't know that. It's a fun experience to think about. I didn't know that they, they could do that with their head. And is it is it a part, well, I said their mood. And um, is it the more red? Is it kind of getting more t- towards the, the strut zone? Well, yeah, so so it's part of the breeding Part of that, right. kind so of like a peacock, peacock yeah, almost. Yeah, in a sense. yeah. So, the same so thing. most birds can see color, especially turkeys have great vision. Mm-hmm. So the turkeys um, that they're going to get big, they're going to str- the toms, right? They're going to strut. They're going to open up their wings. They're going to put their um, um, wing feather or open up their tail fan, and they're going to fluff up their feathers, make them look like they're the biggest tom out there for the females to track the females. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's that's what it's always and, all about. Yeah, yeah. and they're going to um, bring their wings down, and and the wing edges of the wings are just going to kind of graze the bottom and they're going to kind of move them a little bit and um, you can actually see these lines wherever turkeys are strutting if they're strutting in, in some sand um, you can see the lines where these turkeys are strutting um, just in that sand and, and it's, it's their wings yeah right? so you kind of have their tracks in the middle and you got lines of their wings as they're kind of cruising around strutting their stuff so I'm, it, and you can see this if you harvest a turkey, a big mm-hmm. tom turkey. Um, you can look at their wings. You can see where it's they've worn the feathers off the edges of those, those wings during the breeding season. Um, and then they're going to um, change the color of their heads. So you know sometimes it's blue or red, just a, a nice brilliant um, red and blue color or a white color. Um, they also have um, what's called a snood. Um, most people probably have seen um, it's kind of a fleshy appendage that kind of is comes that, off the, the, the beak. Yeah, okay. I was going to yeah. say, is that, is that what that is there? Yeah. That, and so That's when, just really goofy looking. It is. It's, it's, it's kind of just flopping around yeah. over there. But, yeah. but that t- typically, you know, the, the bigger, longer that snoot is, it attracts more of the hen. So the hens see that. No kidding. For whatever reason, like, wow, he, he's, a, he's a stud. <laughs> that, so, um, well, and then that's the, the snood? Yeah, the snood. So that's uh yeah that fleshy appendage okay. and they can kind of make that they you know when when they want to that can grow a little bit bigger. All about the snood. Yeah, it's all about the snood. Um, and then kind of on their neck, kind of where um, the, the unfeathered neck turns into the feathered, um, you know, kind of mm-hmm. lower mm-hmm. neck there. They've got um, a bunch of these um, bumps that are called cruncles. Um, I, I I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that's that's how I pronounce them. I've, I've heard other people call them. Um, crununcles and Crununcles. all sorts of different things, but um, uh, crununcles and th- those they can kind of um, make, you know, they can kind of engorge them. They get a little bit bigger as well. They, you know, they turn colors, and um, so so when you're trying to identify Crununcles. a bird out in the field, again, you can look for the red, white, and blue. You can look for that big snood. You can look for the, the engorged crununcles, but before you pull that trigger, just please make sure that you see that beard see all that. hanging off. You know, that that's the thing that if you make a mistake, it, it, it comes down, it's got to be a legal, um, to be a legal spring bird, it's got to have a beard on it. And that's that's something I'm going to put in. What I, what I like to do is when you're looking at identification, I like to um, give it however many 
I like to look and see if it has all at least three or four things of what it needs to have before I decide to pull that trigger. Yeah. And that would be a good that'd be a good thing to you know snood you know um, the coloring and th- it has to check all those boxes before you pull the trigger. That's yeah. kind of one of the things I'm I'm going to look into or yeah. you know make it, myself a list. Yeah, and I think that's a good idea. You know, and and it's something I think um, I, I I do this with my son while we're driving out yeah. to go hunt. Is I say, okay, Logan, when a bird comes in, I'm not going to be able to talk. I'm not going to be able to tell you a whole lot of what what to do. So let's go through a, a procedure and, and can talk about okay, where are you going to aim your gun? Um, what do we have to identify? And um, if you got a pack of turkeys coming together, what do you have to do before you pull that trigger? Okay, I got to wait and make sure that you know I got a good clear shot. I'm not going to hit any other turkeys that are running around behind it. Um, you know, even you know, even little things like you you know, just keeping an eye out for movement. I mean, there could be other hunters that are moving out there. Mm-hmm. You know, our our turkey decoys are getting more and more lifelike out there. In fact, there's turkeys that um, people can pull strings and, and the fans can move or the turkeys will um, show a little rotation movement. And as a hunter, you know, you get excited and, and that adrenaline is flowing. You see some turkeys through your binoculars and you start putting the sneak on them, right? You're, you're trying to keep something between you and the turkeys so their fantastic vision can't see you, yeah, yeah. right? Well, that means you can't see them very clearly either. So as, as a, a turkey hunter and as any hunter, we've got to make sure we can identify that as a bird. And if for any reason you can't identify this turkey as a live bird, don't shoot. Right. You know, if it's just standing there, it's not moving, you're like, oh, I think that's a decoy. And then all of a sudden it walks away and don't get a shot. That's fine because we're respecting yeah. the bird. Right, we're, right. We're, we're hunting safe. Um, it's a good story to tell your buddies afterwards. I thought it was a decoy. Right. Off, <laughs> well, that's better than saying I thought it. I, I thought it was a bird blowing up somebody's decoy. Oh man, yeah. Can you imagine that? And <sighs> and you know, and we we'll have to talk safety. You know, there's some yeah. things we'll talk about safety, but it, just one of those things. If we're if you're talking about that bearded bird, um, again, you you can shoot a bearded hen if you want to. Um, Taste just as good as a tom. Um, the one thing I want people to think about, and, and um, it's kind of a hunting ethic, and I, I can't right, tell right. them do this or do that, but what I want them to think about is um, in the spring, um, the hens are trying to breed. Their goal is to you know lay eggs, incubate them, and raise a poult mm-hmm. of young through the year. That, that's one of their goals for the whole breeding season. And if we shoot a bearded hen, we're taking 12 to 14 eggs out of reproduction for this current season. That means as we go into fall and winter that means there's not as many birds and come following spring there's maybe not as many um many birds now in the fall you can hunt you know hens and toms in the fall and uh i've had a few people ask me well how come you can only hunt bearded birds in the spring but not in the fall and um i I like to tell people to think about when they took hunter ed and hopefully they talked about this element of biological surplus so when these turkeys got to go into um, winter conditions, mm-hmm. there's only so much habitat available out there. And, and oftentimes there's going to be some winter mortality. And um, by allowing hunting in the, in the fall, um, yeah, you, you can harvest a hen if you want to. You can make the choice. I'm only going to harvest a tom, a bearded tom. Um, but there's, there's a surplus. There's a certain amount of, of these animals that will not survive winter. And, and right now, the way the hunting seasons go, um, coming through the fall hunting season, there's plenty of hens 
that are, are able to breed the next spring. Right. But if right. we reverse that and we say, oh, yeah, you can hunt hens in the spring, spring. now all of a sudden we're not getting the recruitment of all right. these birds. So, so if hunters are kind of like, well, how come we can do this in the fall but not in the spring, it, it kind of gets to that, that point. Right. So. All right. Uh, we're back. Uh, sorry about that. We had a brief break, kind of break, a uh, little break there. So, um, But uh, we'll get right back into it. Uh, we were talking um, uh, breeding. And well, I, we're going to go into breeding, but we, we kind of finished off on um, why it's important to, uh, although the, the regs say that you can shoot a bearded hen, if it, has to, it has to be bearded in the springtime as opposed to fall time, why it's important to uh, maybe maybe wait till you see a tom or a bearded, beard, a bearded jake or something like that instead of taking a hen. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it comes down to a personal ethic. Some some people, hey, well, if it has it goes, a beard, I'm, right. I'm going to shoot that unique bearded hen, and right. um, you know, and, and it is, it's okay to do that. It's legal, and um, but I, I think every hunter needs to make some of those calls, no matter they're turkey hunting or or Any, deer or, hunting. Right, elk exactly. Hunting. We, we all have ethics, our own personal ethics, and and to know that ahead of time, right, so that you can make that decision. I, I think that's an important thing. It, it's huge because it's always because the rules and regs say that I can. Does that mean that you should? Yeah. You know, I always try to say if you're within the rules of regs, hey, you know, have at it. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy yourself. But at the same time, there's a lot of things to think about than just the rules and regs say I can, so I'm going to. So um, you mentioned along with why it's so important uh, to pass on that bearded, that, that uniquely bearded hen is because of the eggs that they talk about kind of that situation because that's, that's really unique. Um, with these with these hens and how they lay their eggs, so kind of kind of talk about that why it's yeah. important. Yeah, and and this will lead into kind of your hunting tactics right. as well. But um, yeah, so the, the hens they're going to lay um, a, we call it a clutch, right? That that's a, a whole assemblage of all their eggs. They're going to lay a clutch. And it might be you know ten, twelve, fourteen eggs in a spring, and they're they're going to lay about one egg per day. And when they get all of their clutch filled, then they're going to start incubating those eggs. But a lot of times they go lay those eggs, um, and they may roost in a tree at night until they fill that clutch. They're going to find a place. They, uh, they don't build much of a nest. They don't build a nest in the tree. What they're going to do is build a nest someplace where they've got a little bit of cover, uh, especially escape cover, but a little bit of cover from predators. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they're, yeah, they're going to incubate those eggs until they hatch. And then um, sh it, I think it's, it's probably only a week or so, and those, those poults, a couple of weeks, those poults are probably going to be able to fly into some lower branches, and they're going to start roosting at night just along with that hen, try to get off the ground to get away from predators. Right. So in that spring, those hens, they're going to be sitting on eggs. They're going to be away from the, the toms that are out there. Uh -huh. um, the toms are going to be looking for breeding hens. So again, this is part part of the tactics we'll go into. So, and uh, well, along with that, how many times does a hen breed? So say if she, does she go into a situation where, say a predator comes and eats her eggs, will she go into breeding again? Will she go into that? Or yeah. does she just do it one she, time and then if, yeah, if, if, if it for, makes it or not i mean does it does she go in another one if her eggs get eaten yeah so a, a hen that that's been incubating or been laying eggs if her nest fails and usually that's probably a predator that mm -hmm. comes in and destroys a raccoon or a fox might come in and eat those eggs um if it's early enough in the season she's gonna want to try and attempt 
and so she she comes into estrus um, you know I think it's about a 14 day cycle for turkeys so there's a good chance during our hunting season if a hen um, is has a nest fail that she's going to be out there and the toms are going to be looking for her to breed and she's going to be looking for the toms to breed so they will only be able to do one um, complete nest in a year so one and done yeah one and done yeah and it, they're going to take all summer and fall to raise those birds and um, you know I've done a lot of a lot of stuff with birds and uh, over the years you know with some bird surveys and stuff and um, what I kind of the patterns I look at it those little birds you know chickadees and mm-hmm. wrens some of those small small birds um, a bird that hatches from an egg can develop into a small bird a small adult bird relatively quickly but you get a big raptor a big bird of prey or you get a big turkey and um, it takes all summer all year for that bird to develop into adult plumage adult birds right so those, those bigger birds are going to only be able to do one complete clutch per year but a lot of the smaller birds will do possibly two um, i think there might be a couple that might do three in the spring and summer period. oh no kidding yeah so right along with that i mean and the reason why i asked that question was because that sometimes like like you said like you mentioned before that tom's going to gather up hens but he may not if he's if he's breeded with one get some more so there's still a chance if you come across a a hen that's that's sitting on eggs that's sitting on a clutch and uh, something happens to that she may become active again and mm-hmm. then Tom might come around her so kind of going into hunting tactics how how are we going to um, knowing what we know now to this point um, what's the best way to go out and hunt these things yeah. So as far as hunting tactics go, what, what you're trying to do at, at any point is you're trying to overcome a turkey's natural um, defense, I guess. And, that, and those turkeys are going to rely on their eyesight and their hearing. Um, they, they don't smell. Yeah, it's circle not, not that, eyesight yeah, and hearing. Eyesight and hearing, particularly eyesight. And as bird that's, birds that can see color, you're, you're going to want to be camouflaged um, literally head to toe so maybe your boat boots don't have to be camouflaged but um you're, you're going to want to make sure that you've got camouflage covering including you know a face mask or face paint mm-hmm. um a hat you're going to want to have camouflage head to toe out there and um when you, a turkey comes in if you can see the turkey you can bet that that turkey can see you so you're going to have to minimize your movement so if you're camouflaged that that turkey probably can't identify you from something else but as soon as you move your hand to, to run a turkey call or to lift your shotgun or your bow, you, that turkey is going to see that movement. And if it's unnatural, you know, that there's movement in the trees all the time. The trees, the bushes, there's wind, there's movement. But they, they know natural movement from unnatural, unnatural right, movement. Right. So, so you've got to overcome that in, in the way you set things up. So, um, so yeah, early season... Um, a lot of times when our, um, especially out east, the Rio Grande's, when we come into our hunting season, um, when it starts there in April, there could be a lot of hens that are already sitting on eggs or just about to sit on eggs. So sometimes we might have a hard time trying to pull some of those toms um, away, maybe from a group of, of hens. But um, again, those, those toms want to breed. So, so depending on the weather, depending on the conditions, and every year seems to be a little bit different, um, you've you got to think about um, observing everything you can in the forest from what you see and what you hear. And you're going to be listening for the turkeys. They're very vocal. They're talking all day long. And, and you're going to be listening to the hen yelp 
Um, and are you hearing toms gobbling right there in the same group with the hens yelping? They may be too far to see, but you're going to be listening for that and trying to figure out, okay, is there the toms mixed in with the hens? Okay, my tactic might change, and instead of trying to um, sound like a, a breeding hen and try mm -hmm. and pull that tom, well, he, he's got plenty of hens. Why would, he, why would he leave his live hens to come to me? Right. So, so the tactic is, okay, I want to pull that hen, that boss hen. And so when that hen um, yelps, you, you mimic her. In fact, you could almost cut her off. So as she, you know, yelp, 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 you just cut her off and you yelp the exact same rhythm and cadence oh, that she okay. had. And that hen is going to be like, oh, there's another hen out What's there. And she's on? trying to pick a fight with me. Yeah. Again, these turkeys, both the males and the females, have a pecking order. And so this boss hen might get angry. And if that boss hen is angry enough to come over and beat you up or your decoy, there's a good chance that that whole flock is going to come, including the one or two toms that are hanging out okay. with that hen. So that's a, that's a good mechanism maybe to try and get a, uh, a big old tom, you know, the tom with the big long beard, the big spurs, uh -huh. to come in. Um, so it's not always about get, getting the tom over, if specifically. It can be yep. about getting that boss hen yeah. over here too. Yeah, and and if you think about a little bit of, of breeding and how that works into tactics, and um, you know, this is what people have taught me, and I, I mean, I, I got to give a lot of people credit for teaching me all this stuff. I'm still learning every time I go out. Right, right. But um, so so Tom, you know, big boss Tom, he's gonna strut, he's gonna gobble, he pulls the hens to him. Okay, that that's how nature works typically. As turkey hunters, we're trying to convince that Tom to go against his natural instincts and come to us. And and that's that's where the challenge lies in turkey hunting. That's what's mm -hmm. so fun and fascinating and why calling is so important and, and you know, getting decoys. Um, that's why, yeah, it is a challenge. It, it's fun. You know, if it was super easy, you you probably wouldn't fall in love with turkey hunting. <laughs> that challenge yeah, of saying, hey, I overcame this natural instinct of this Tom. So, so, yeah, if you can pull in that hen, that tom is going to follow that hen into that area. Um, the other thing thinking about is that um, there's a lot of turkeys that don't have their own hens to breed with, right? Mm -hmm. So it might be the jakes, it might be the um, two-year-old toms, or you know maybe kind of a smaller stature three-year-old tom running through the woods that just don't have their own flock of hens. And so if you're yelping as, as a hen, you know, and you got decoys set up, you might be able to pull some of these satellite toms that are, are kind of cruising through the woods in, in maybe small packs. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, seeing a, a pack of jakes, three jakes moving through the area. Um, or a, um, you know, I want, there's seven jakes moving through the area. You know, kind of, hey, we're, we're the youngest mm -hmm. ones out here. And um, my son, um, his second bird that he harvested, it was a two-year-old um, tom, but he had what, you know, I'm guessing, you know, but he had two other birds that were just hanging, you know, maybe 20 yards away from this two-year-old Tom. I think those were two Jakes, two one-year-old Jakes. But this Tom was moving into our decoys and into our calling, and he was able to harvest that bird, but these other two were just hanging a little ways off. They're just cruising through the woods midday, um, looking for hens, they're feeding, they're just, they're just kind of moving through the area. And um, we were able to pull them in, and he's able to harvest his two-year-old bird. Um, you know, so so again, just just sounding like a hen. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, just being able to, to nail just the hen yelp is a good start. It's a good easy call. You know, yelp, 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 yelp. And you do that maybe every 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, if you're on public land with a lot of hunters, maybe you're, you're doing it once every 45 minutes to an hour. But yeah. what your your goal is, is is to let toms that are just moving through the woods um, just say, hey, there's a hen over here. They may be feeding. They may not want to come over right away. But in their mind, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, there could be a hen over here. When I'm done doing what I'm doing, I might drift off that way and check, it, check out. it out. Some, some of these birds will come in quiet as well so um there, there's nothing well, they, better are than they a, responding to a call or are they just they just coming in some, yeah you know a, a little of both even, yeah okay. i mean these birds move throughout the day quite a bit yeah. um you know sometimes they may just go loaf somewhere middle of the day but they they move they move around and um you know if you're moving a lot yourself if you're talking if you're goofing off those toms are going to see you well before or those birds whatever the hens yeah. too they're, they're going to see you before you see them quite a bit if you're moving so um, you know stand still is important um, very <laughs> hushed whispers um, is going to be important as well so that's what I got I got to stay still I was kind of talking to you a little bit about it. I was like man I got I guess I got to freaking stay still and quit moving around yeah but um yeah you mentioned calls uh, kind of go over which kind of calls calls calling for me is I'm, I'm still learning it with the calls even with with uh, with uh, elk hunting mm-hmm. you know I don't bugle I'll use a cow call but uh, um, Sounds like calling should be a a uh, something you should learn to at mm-hmm. least get the basics on. Now I know that there's there's a diaphragm call um, that you can use with turkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other calls there? There's a box call. What, what yeah. other ones are there? Yeah, there's all there's all sorts of different calls that are out there. Um, the kind of the the a good cheap um, inexpensive way to get started and to learn quickly. Um, it's called a box call or a friction call. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be made out of wood. It's got a paddle. It's got some sounding boards. And you, you're basically rubbing the paddle over the sounding board to, to make calls. And usually the standard is going to be your, your hen yelp. But you can do some purrs and um, some cuts and, and, and stuff with it. Um, if you're good, I'm not very good at it, but you can actually <laughs> imitate a, a Tom Gobble with that box call as well okay um you know i i'm still trying to master the calls myself um i can call turkeys in but i don't, i you know i i listen to myself and i think oh boy i gotta get better so i i practice all the time driving to and from work um, making calls yeah my my family doesn't care for me trying to practice <laughs> at home so i gotta practice away from people yeah um on it but so that the box call is probably a good cheap um, probably the fastest um, thing to learn. To learn of. Okay. Um, there's another call that's called a, just generally it's called a slate call or a um, a pot call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a slate call or there's glass, there's aluminum, there's all sorts of different um, materials that they use. But it, it generally it's going to be sort of this round um, pot and um, you're going to take a striker. It's a piece of wood or a piece of plastic, carbon. Um, you know, they, they make they make the strikers. It, it looks like a, a, a big pencil. Okay. And, uh, okay. and what you're doing is using the grains from the, the tip of that striker, and you're running it across the slate or the glass. And you, you prepare the glass. You get some sandpaper or a, like a scrubby pad, and you, you wipe that across the slate or the glass, and you create little grooves in it. And, and so the, the grain from your striker, when you tip it in the right direction, you tip it at the right angle, you rub that across, and it's going to start making uh, a noise of some sort. 
So again, that's one that's fairly easy to, to learn how to do. Um, you okay. hold that striker about at a 60 degree angle, um, you know, 90 degrees straight up off of it, 45 is too much. So about 60 degree angle um, is where you want to start. Um, we tell people don't put your hand underneath the pot because there's usually holes that amplify the call. So if you mm. put your hand on the bottom of the pot, you're muffling it. And that, mm. That's not going to be um, So that's where the sound call. comes comes from, yep. the bottom of the pot? Yep. So you kind of almost want to hold it out or somewhere? Yeah, yeah. so I usually wrap my, my thumb and my, um, you know, my first two fingers kind of around the edges of the pot, and then I can kind of turn and aim it certain directions if okay. I want to. Um, it might, to a turkey, that might sound like, okay, that, that turkey might be moving a little bit this way or a little bit that way, so it's a turkey on the move. But I can, um, but but then I'll strike that, and um, if you if you draw little circles or little ovals with it on the pot, little ones, you start making a yelp call. If you kind of do um, a, a short little um, move on it, it, might be like a cut, or um, you know, a, a um, or or if you just drag it real slow, it's what's called a purr. Okay. On it. So it's kind of like a, a sound that that says I'm content or I'm feeding, and. Mm. Um, and, and these birds, they communicate all day long. And it's just little, you know, little clucks here, a purr here. Um, they might do a yelp, 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 you know, where are you? So there's all sorts of calls to learn. But as a, a new turkey hunter, if you can get the yelp down, that that is the, that's like that's good, a great place to a good start. Place to start. Yeah. Start with the yelp. So if you're looking at getting, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the yelp today. I'm gonna go pick up a box call. I don't even know about the pot call. I guess I was mixing up the 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 uh, box and the pot call. I think I was mixing them. Yeah, together, they're both considered a friction call. Friction call. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's friction so. to make the noise. There's there's um, wing bone calls too. I, okay, okay. Um, you can make your own. Uh, you can find stuff online. I have yet to to try that. Um, there, there's other styles. Um, you mentioned the mouth call or the yeah, diaphragm yeah, yeah. call. Um, I I love that. So I mean, it, I, I encourage people to have multiple calls when you go out into the woods, because sometimes one call sounds different. Um, e even your, your slate call, I, I carry three different slate or pot calls um, in my bag when I go out, and I've got six different strikers. You know, they're made okay. out of different wood so or... They make you know, different sounds. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And I might not be able to tell the difference, but a turkey can. They've right, got in right. incredible hearing. So, um, you know, a lot of, lot of turkey hunters might take two different... Um, uh, box calls out there in the woods. Maybe one is a little bit bigger. So if it's windy, or they're up in the mountains and they want to try and um, get a response to a call, they might do a turkey yelp, hoping that they'll get a gobble or another yelp response. Might be a couple of ridges over. So, so you might want to have a really loud box call at some point. Um, a long distance call. Yeah. Kind of almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and again, you know, we talked about with turkeys, they can see movement. So if you've got turkeys coming in and you, you've got a um, a box call or a pot call and you're you're using that your your hands are moving right and and so most can... of those are I mean it's going to take two hands to use them so if you got a bird coming in and you're trying to call and get them in closer how are you holding your gun or your bow um, right. so so that's where the diaphragm call comes in and um, a lot of times what I'll do if I if I hear a turkey, I immediately throw that diaphragm in my mouth. I just put it in, you know, between my my cheek and and my teeth. When I need to, I'll put it into position, and I can start doing some calls with that. Now that does take a lot more time to master that that mouth call. I'm still still learning. It, I'm still I, trying. I know. I I I mess with it a lot, but it um 
it is it is uh, I say difficult I guess it um, just figuring it out figuring out yeah. the right tune the right pitch the right uh, tone or whatever how to put it I always get uh, messed up with it in my mouth you know it's it's something that you can figure out yeah. it really is but yeah. I, I agree it's, yeah, it's something you want to there's figure videos out. YouTube right. videos YouTube's there's, there's information yeah. out there that people can can you know kind of learn and practice and again practice Practice, Repetitions, practice, yeah. yeah. I think that's what I, I need more reps with it, and just just to really nail it down. Um, now, when in, when you we get you got these calls, you, you're you're sounding like a turkey. Mm-hmm. So, not only are you have the opportunity to have turkeys come towards you, which would what you want to do, but you can also have other hunters come come to you. So, yeah, good point. What um, what kind of safety or precautions, procedures, whatever you want to whatever you want to go through? I always I always like to say, be prepared for the worst. Mm-hmm. In this situation, when you can have this happen, um, what what are some of the safety things that we can do or, or kind of get prepared for going turkey hunting? Yeah, yeah, that that's a good point. And uh, in in new hunters, definitely don't overlook this kind of stuff. This this is we we want you to go hunt, but we also want you to go home safe. Right. So um, so turkey hunting, you're going to have camouflage on head to toe, right? So you you're, you need to hide um, when you're out there. Um, but think about what do you have on underneath. So um, turkeys, the colors of turkeys, especially the toms, is red, white, and blue, like we mentioned earlier. So um, you know, boy, the day is getting warm, and you take off your your camouflage jacket. Do you have a white or a red or a blue shirt on underneath? Um, probably, you probably don't want that. You know, right. get your camouflage, um, you know, t-shirt as as kind of that base layer. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have the red, white, and blue because because you do. You know, you're going to move. You might be on the other side of a tree, but what a hunter might see from from looking through the brush might be red, white, and blue. And, right, and right. you know, if you know they're not There's a hunter, the adrenaline <laughs> goes through their head, or they just right. aren't the hunter that that we want out there. Of saying, I'm going to make sure of what of my shot before I even aim. Right. You know, at it. Um, so yeah, red and white and blue. You just you don't need those. Don't have a red, white, and blue bandana. Don't have the shirt. Um, you know, even down to your socks. You know, you're you're on the ground and the the bottom of your pants comes up and you got white socks showing. Right. So think about having a darker colored sock, um, you know, something a little more natural colored sock that's in there. So um, the only time you're probably not going to be wearing camouflage is um, when we talk about gear. There are some ground blinds that you can hunt out of. And when we get into that, um, you're probably going to want to have all black head to toe. When you're hunting out of a blind, because that's what the inside material of a blind is—is is black. So that'll that'll cover your movement as well. So um, again, the other, you know, the thing to think about is um, the colors. Your camouflage. If you've got a hunter coming in, you probably don't want to wave your hands at that hunter because that hunter is, you know, again, he's, he's, he's looking for movement in the woods. He may think your movement is a turkey flapping a wing or moving through the trees. So what we encourage people to do is is yell to them before you make a movement right. and say Turkeys hunter or hello yeah. hunter over here you know yell out to them you know clear you, you don't have to worry about scaring turkeys away because if that hunter's coming in and you're seeing that at hunter that, yeah, right you're right the turkeys right. Have, are probably long gone at that moment and you don't you don't want to be that that other hunter that's like oh it's just another hunter so I'm gonna wait for the turkeys to still come in and then here comes a turkey you know it might not happen. Yeah. You know, but here comes a turkey. Now, now you're going to shoot another hunter, or you can have the possibility to shoot another. Yeah. There's just a lot of things that can go. Yeah. So don't always. I, I, I like to scream out, say you're there. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing is that unless you're in a, a ground blind, if you're going to sit sit on the ground, um, what we say is get something solid behind you. So get a nice big tree that you can lean up against. Um, you know, there's some um, big cottonwoods or trees that have fallen down, but you want to have a good solid surface behind you so that, say, a hunter's coming up, they see decoys, and, and they take a shot from behind you. You still have something um, to protect you. Right, right. <clears throat> so that, that, you know, real easy to do. Um, you get into the field to find that exact spot where you can set decoys that, that hopefully they're in, in view of turkeys um, moving through. Um, but also a place where you can sit down and you can still get a good um, good shooting zone from where you're sitting. Um, it, it's harder than it sounds to go out there to um, to go do that. Um, so, so that's, you know, again, if you're going in in the dark, it's even more challenging to right. figure out how do I get this, this right. whole set up in there. That, that's why scouting is important. Um, if you set decoys out or if you're, if you're moving through the woods, you know, we talk about run and gun tactics. If you move through the woods, you see turkeys in the distance, you know, stop, pull your binoculars out, identify them first. Are they a, a live turkey or are they a decoy? decoy yeah. Are they a live turkey that's in the middle of someone's decoys, right? Like maybe there's a hunter and he's just letting them, you know, letting some hens or maybe there's a, a jake there, but he's holding out for a big tom. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, identify all of the birds there that they're all all live birds before you try to, you know, put a stock or a sneak in or take a shot. And again, that goes to kind of making maybe getting a checklist on checking off boxes before you go and try to pull the trigger on something yeah. or even go in hunting area. I yeah. always like to go if I say if I got I got to a trailhead late and I see other vehicles there. If I'm still going to go hunt this area, I have to know that there's going to be other people hunting here too, so yeah. I have to keep that in mind on where they could be, what what it what it is, whether it's you know, um, if if I know if I go into and I hear I hear gobbles or I hear I hear calls maybe, then that could be other hunters. Yeah, that could be that. So keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, I mean that brings up a really good point. Um, you know, stores will sell gobble calls. Mm-hmm. Um, they sound great. Um, sounds like a, a tom, and um, unfortunately, I think you go out on public land, especially the ones that get a little bit more crowded. Um, if you you sound like a tom, odds are you're probably pulling in other hunters. You know, again, that's a safety issue right. coming in. So we recommend. Um, and and there there isn't a whole lot of great reason to use a gobble call, anyways. Um, you know, if you're using the hen calls, that's you, you're pulling the hens in, or you're pulling a. Um, a tom that wants to breed, you're pulling a tom to you is kind of what you're doing. Right. Um, occasionally you might use a gobble call and, and maybe it's a tom that wants to fight another tom. Um, you can do that. But I, I would recommend, you know, save that for places where you got access to private property and, you're the and you only know no one's out. coming in. Um, another safety thing, and this is becoming more and more popular, they sell, um, stores are selling these um, turkey fans. So it's like a big umbrella or it's a... Um, it's a panel that looks like a turkey with its um, tail feathers okay. out. And some of these are just enormous. It's like turkeyzilla walking through the woods. <laughs> and so you get a hunter that, that's looking through a little slot, right, it, behind it, and he's moving through the woods. Um, some people call it turkey reaping. Some people, mm. you know, turkey fan. they got different words for it. And, um, you know, it can be a, a, an exciting way to approach turkeys. It could be effective. But... Um, if you think about other hunters, right? right. I, I recommend, and I will never use this on public land. Um, I would only use it on 
on private property where I'm pretty much guaranteed that I'm the only hunter out on this property. There have been some states that are, have reported um, even family members shooting, you oh, know, shooting family a family member um, that was using one of these turkey fans. Um, so there have been some um, some accidents um, with those. So again, I, I I think it's not worth the risk on public land, especially those really crowded lands right. on doing it. Um, Just put yourself in a bad situation. It could potentially put yourself. In. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah, and you know. To bring home a turkey, it's so much fun. It's great. It, there's an awesome reward. But if you're putting yourself at risk um, by doing that, it, it isn't worth it. You know, we want people to go home safe right. and have have a good experience. So again, if if you're going to buy some of that stuff, it, it could be fun. But please just just uh, just limit that to land that you you can control access and just just be super smart. Right. With it. Right. So uh, you kind of mentioned, kind of got went over some gear a little bit. What's um. Knowing, we, we go back to the senses, the eyesight and hearing, knowing that, um, l- let's talk about some of the gear that can help us uh, prevent being seen mm-hmm. and help us be a little bit more quiet. Yeah. So, um, you know, we mentioned camouflage, of course, for your clothing, right. but um, camouflage on your shotgun isn't a bad bad idea so you can buy the camouflage shotguns or you know i'm too cheap for that just wrap yeah yep, i just wrap you. the tape I'm on it you. and that that has worked fine for mm-hmm. me um so yeah I'll, I'll do that um i think if you're hunting with a bow and you're not in a blind mo- most bow hunters are probably right. going to be in a blind because because of movement it's hard to draw back at a turkey that's at 10 yards and not be seen so uh, <laughs> a turkey blind helps so when we talk about a, a turkey blind, um, you got a couple of different options. There's some um, you can pay anywhere from probably thirty to forty dollars for some really cheap, simple ones to you know four or five hundred dollars for some you know maybe even six seven hundred dollars for some really great blinds, um, bigger blinds. So maybe you have um, like we've been out in blinds um, leading some mentored youth hunts, and we'll have the the parent the youth hunter and then one of our mentored guides out there um, in the blind together. It gets a little crowded. Right, right. But um, it's good concealment. Um, you only open one portion of the blind up at a time or if you, uh, you know, you, you don't want the turkeys to be able to see through. And so if you're moving back and forth, they see the silhouette through the blind. So you want to um, just open up like one face. Um, maybe there's a couple little holes that you can kind of peek out of for turkeys that are come from behind but you don't want to be able to see through the blind and um this is where if you're in a blind where we're all black right because right. the inside of the blind is black there are blinds that have these little shoot through screens little mm-hmm. um, mesh mm-hmm. screen that some of them you can shoot through um like a bow you can shoot through it the the cutting edges will cut through it um with a shotgun i think you're going to trash that screen right probably, so yeah, I, uh, yeah. Um, a lot of times i'll open them full up but i'll just you know, if we get turkeys coming, we, we kind of practice. This is how you, you know, lay the gun out in front of you. Um, real slow, you know, glacier movement slow is, is what Gla- I I like that. Gla- I like that term, glacier yeah. movement. So um, there's, a, there's another kind of blind, and th- this is what I use personally because I, I like to be mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm hearing turkeys in another area, I don't want to have to pack up a big old blind. I mean, th- these, these big hub-style blinds, they, they carry a little weight. Yeah, they can be yeah. great hunting with yep. but um personally I, I use what's called a, a panel blind and it's got three camouflage panels it's got these stakes i can put into the ground um you know tie tie downs on the corners and so i can set that up when i put put my back up against a tree i lay that out in front of me 
<clears throat> I have it so that it's facing where my decoys are placed. And then with a monopod or a bipod set up, um, we can practice getting the shotgun. So that shotgun is, is set up just to go right over the top of that panel blind. Okay. And so um, when I take my son out, he's got the shotgun, I got the calls. And all of my hand movement is now underneath the blind, right? The blind, it just, it just sits up, you know, maybe two foot. Yeah. Um, so I can see over it, but all my movement is hidden by the blind. If I need to pack it up, just takes seconds to, to pack it up, roll it up, and it's lightweight. Right. So um, that's a good style. I think I love using those just because it gives me um, kind of that middle ground. I don't quite do a lot of run and gun, so to speak, but I also don't like to take a great big heavy blind and just sit there all day sit long. Sit there all, yeah. Now, if I had the patience to sit there all day long, <laughs> right. you know, maybe my harvest rates would be it higher as well. That, that, I'm right there with you. Now, I like, would there... Um, I'm, I'm assuming there'd be some opportunities where uh, if you did go with a hub style um, and you are archery hunting, or even if you are um, with a shotgun behind a pound line, mm-hmm. would you recommend doing something to where you can get used to whether you go to a range and they let you set up your hub line mm-hmm. or the outdoor range to shoot out of that so you have the feeling of how, what, what you're going yeah. to need to do with a shotgun? Maybe not necessarily shooting, at, shooting over it, but getting practicing yeah um so you can have because we want to eliminate as much we want to have the best shooting lanes we can to make a good ethical shot so would you recommend going and practicing you know some type of shooting out of those blinds with whatever means of taking yeah. you're using yeah it, it probably is a good idea um if, if you can get to a range if, archery if, range, if they let you or, yeah yeah, if, yeah if, i mean even in your backyard time. try to maybe yeah. i don't know yeah, um, you know, if, if uh, you know if you're using a shotgun, um, you can kind of set some of that stuff up at home. Um, you know, make sure your firearm, double, triple check your firearm is unloaded. Of right, course. right, right. Of um, course. But if you wanted to practice the movement, um, you know, what is it going to take to if you're using shooting sticks, or are you just right. resting it on the edge of the um, the hub at at the window if your blind allows that? Um, you know, I, I think it's good to practice that movement. I think if you're a um, a bow hunter, um, you know. Of course, don't dry fire your bow. That, exactly. That's, that's, that's really the thing. Bad. So we we're gonna have to. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could you could practice drawing and then drawing down right. um, inside that blind, you know, in your house or in your backyard, um, and and making sure that you know when you draw your your arm back, you know, do you have elbow room? Right. Or are you gonna hit the back of the blind? Um, think about what kind of space do you have in the window because where your um, peep sights, you know, your peep sight and your front sight, that that level is different where your arrow starts. Mm-hmm. So if you're um, sitting a little bit too low, your arrow might hit your your hub of the blind or the lower part of the blind, even though you're not seeing it. So you got to um, think about that. You know, get someone to watch you off to the side, right, um, right. and say, okay, yeah, oh, you're fine. Um, think about um, in a blind the big hub style blinds you're going to need some type of a chair in there so you can buy um fancier chairs you know mm-hmm. real comfortable comfortable chairs heavier chairs do you have to so, pack those in there yeah yeah well and you know you might have a situation you can go um drive your vehicle in early right, in the right. morning and drop your gear or off pull a sled maybe yeah I mean, pull a sled yeah. yeah i mean you're gonna have to hide your sled right right um, right camouflage sled maybe yeah <laughs> but um yeah so you can you can some places it works you can just drop all that stuff off um, it, it isn't that much, or private property. Maybe you set it up the day before. Right. Um, you can do that, but I, I carry a um, just a lightweight tripod chair, so I got a little backrest, um, but it doesn't take up a lot of room, and and so I carry that tripod chair out there with me. But 
you know, as a bow hunter, I want to make sure that my tripod chair is um, set up where I can aim and out can the window. Shoot yeah, out, yeah. yeah, so w without my arrow actually hitting the, the lower part of that that's, line. That's what I, I see a lot of folks, that they, they get out there, they they say, oh, I'm going to get a hub shelter, or, I'm, or a, see, I'm talking, I'm thinking ice fishing now, <laughs> a hub blind, and um, go out there, and they, they go, out with, go out there without even setting it up, you yeah. know, they just got it out of the box. Yeah. It's, I, I really, I, I try to put myself in the same position I'm going to be out there um, in whatever I'm doing. I've never hunted out of a, out of one of these type of hub uh, hub deals, you know, so I would definitely want to get familiar with the, the area where I, what I got to do. So if I'm not out there and I'm like, wait a minute, this, I can't, can't pull all the way back or I, I'm, I'm confined here. And then also along with that too, would you... If you can, you know, public land is going to be a little bit different because if you go out and set up a blind, one of these blinds, and leave it for a day, say you're going to go out one day and the next day, just so the birds, you know, again, like mm -hmm. you, you made that comment earlier, um, that they, they're looking for the, they're used to things. So if yeah. they come around and they see that, that wasn't here yesterday, could they, is, are, yeah, am but, I giving know, them too much credit with that? Yeah, or turkeys, could they... turkeys don't seem to mind the blind. Okay, so um, they, they're not yeah. going to look at it and say, that, that that wasn't here yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. They, that's in uncommon. Fact, in fact, there's a lot of successful turkey hunters. Um, they're hunting out east. They got access to private land. It's a, um, a winter wheat field. So, okay. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. short, mm -hmm. short green grass growing, um, you know, early spring. And they'll set it right out in the middle. And they'll okay. set it out there because that's a strut zone for these turkeys. Okay. Right? It, it's out in the open. They want The toms want to be seen so they can strut. So if that's kind of the, the behavior you're seeing with these toms, and maybe you scouted that, hey, they're coming out in this field, you can set this blind right so out in the middle of the field. So they don't care that something's sticking out there typically? Yeah, yeah as okay. long as you're making sure you're covering your movement. Um, in fact, there's turkeys that'll come and look right right into your blind. No like, kidding. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stories of, of turkey <laughs> hunters that are taking a nap, or um, uh, a good friend of mine, she'll, uh, she'll take crossword puzzles, and she'll be focused on a crossword puzzle and and she hears something and she looks over and there's a there's a hen looking in the blind rat at her so the the blinds don't seem to be that that big of a deal to turkeys um you can rough them in if you got some um, natural vegetation um but you don't have to you can just put them right out in the middle of a field right and the turkeys may may come in again okay you want to maybe scout a little bit be familiar with the behavior to see once is this is this where turkeys are coming see i've never i've never um Hunted out of blinds, mm -hmm. even even um, whitetails or anything like that. Alnation Plains always been spot and stock. Even yeah. with elk, I mean, I've I've uh, messed around with making ground blinds yeah. with with uh, uh, leaves or, or you know or something, but um, I've never actually. And I and I hear uh, that with elk that you have to almost set that up in advance yeah. so they get used to it. And that's why I had that thought here. But it, in this case, it's it's that's good yeah. to know that you don't have to be. Yeah, you can turkeys. go out and set it up. And they just want it. They don't want to see it move. If it's sitting yeah. there sitting still, it's okay. Yeah. They just don't want to see it yep. move or you move. So yep. that that's good to know. That's yeah. that's really good yeah. to know. Again, you know, you you have stuff rubbing the edges of the blind while you're in there. You know, they don't hear, hear that. It's an unnatural sound. So again, yeah. focus on those 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 main senses. I I, I always try to tell. You know, pronghorn have really good eyesight. Yeah. That's what you have to focus on with them. You know, elk smell. So that's what you have to focus in on them. So with these these senses that these turkeys have is what I'm get, gathering is eyesight and hearing is we really want to cut down on that. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, um, you know, we, we covered a lot. We covered mm -hmm. a lot. Um, uh, before we wrap this up, we're going to do, 
we're going to do more, um, and we're going to get in, into more depth with the certain aspects of the hunting. Um, we've got to have more guests on with us, too. Uh, but um, is there anything that we didn't go over, or is there anything that you want to kind of want to close out here with? I think we covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about in some way. So um, is there anything that you got that we didn't cover that you want to go over real quick here? Um, you know, I, I, I guess kind of closing this segment out I, i'd like to encourage people don't don't be too intimidated about going out okay, turkey yep. hunting um on pretty much any type of hunting you, you can get a lot of information available on on websites um talking to people going to seminars and clinics and um you know put a little bit of work homework in kind of learning things but um again it, it, it we, we should as hunters we should not gauge our success by harvest right you know what we should gauge it by is we have a good experience did we learn um something about a new piece of property about access about um do we get an idea of how do we want to hunt this again when we come back out um you know what what kind of gear should i get next time and you know all that kind of stuff makes all of us a, a better hunter and and i i guess i like to encourage people is don't don't think they have to start out you know, as, as an expert in, in turkey hunting, right? You, you get that right, right. by going out in the field day experience. in and day out. You gain experience by being out there in the field, and there's probably not a better way to learn than getting out into the field. Right, so. right, exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, the, the thing that I, what I've learned today, um, again, like I said, I'm new. Uh, this is, I'm very novice with it, you know. I, I've done research, and I've tried to learn on my own, and, um, but learning more and talking to more people, um, it's just, uh, and just today, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like book or bookmarking everything on what I want to get. And I now I'm going to have to go back and see what I need that I don't really have. So that's what I always say. Hunt with what you have or go out there with what you have and then figure out what you need to add to that. And because there's always, the, I, I see folks that get, or they get intimidated over want instead of what they need. <laughs> You know, yeah. so uh, with all this stuff, it was a lot to take in, and um, I, I hope uh, I hope it inspired folks to go out there because I I was I was itching I was, I'm itching right now at it. I, <laughs> I'm I getting excited for the season. Yeah, there's there's not there's there's some there's there's a lot of things I didn't know that turkeys did. You know, I just thought they'd come around and uh, gobble at you and chase <laughs> you out of your garage. You know, that's all what I thought turkeys did. So um, it's it's a uh, it's uh, really great to have you here. It, and if um. If folks want to get a hold of you or uh, look at a schedule of of uh, Turkey One Hundred Ones, or you got, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a pause here, and then we're gonna probably do an, we're gonna record another podcast with the Secrets to the Big Game Draw. And um, if uh, they want information on how to either attend these classics or, or classes or clinics, and uh, or even maybe get a contact and get in contact with you, what's the best way to do yeah. that? So um, to find out about our clinics and seminars, the I there's a couple different ways you can get to it, but you want to get to our website first, cpw.state.co.us. You get to that website, there's going to be a blue bar up at the top of the page. It's got some words on it, some links. And if you find the one that says learn, you, you hit that, it's going to open up and you find learn to hunt or learn to fish. And when you click on that learn to hunt, learn to fish page, there's going to be a link to clinics and seminars that we have posted. So we, when, when we're ready to post them, we put them on a registration program and they're all there it's throughout the state so depending on where you might be in Colorado um, 
you know, there may be something offered in, in a different region. You know, why not take a road trip and, and check those out? Right, well? exactly. I, I see a lot of stuff. I, I'm on that email. And try to get on that email list if you can. There's there's a lot of good email lists that uh, that gets put out, whether whatever region you may be in. There's a good email list if you can get on it. But, yeah, go check yeah. that, that website out and uh, or go check the web, uh, and see if there's anything for you out there. I mean, yeah. I mean you might not be a turkey hunter. But there's a lot of st- there's a lot of things out there for folks to get out and get involved in. Yeah, yeah, we've got Facebook, you know, Instagram. There, there's all yep. sorts of ways that that people can get tied in with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and you know, and and with with CPW, there's so much more than hunting and fishing. We've got all the state parks to go visit, right. all the outdoor recreation. There, there's a lot of information on our web page. There's a lot of great um, social media content as well. So so there's plenty of ways for people to get tied in with us. And there's always phone numbers if people want to oh, yeah. want to call up our customer service and say, "Hey, where's this Brian guy? Can I get talk to him?" That might be a real easy way to talk Definitely. to me or or um, someone else from another region. Definitely. So, yeah. Uh, so thanks for tuning in today, folks. Um, again, we're gonna have a series of these, uh, maybe a couple more. Um, uh, I might have do one with uh, archery and uh, shotgun, and then also just kind of kind of uh, really get down into the nitty gritty of hunting tactics and um, different ways you can go go about uh, harvesting one of these birds this year. So uh, like always, um, get out there. Just that's the best way to, to learn to experience the stuff is get out there and experience, experience it yourself. So again, thanks for tuning in and uh, have a good day. <laughs>